So it was a few years back. I was heading west on I-10 with my whole family. We were in the mini wagon, the family truckster. We were loaded up, and we were heading to Oceanside, California for family vacation, summer vacation. It was uh, just a few miles outside of Palm Springs, California. As we were driving, we spotted two ladies walking alongside the highway there carrying a five-gallon gas can. Now, you have to understand, when we go on vacation, I'm very driven. I like to get from point A to point B, and I got a very big family, and I don't like to make a lot of stops, unless you're in cardiac arrest or you have a ruptured bladder or something like that. Other than that, I want to get from point A to point B. It was then that we saw these ladies on a very hot summer day that my wife looked over and said, you know, we should stop, sweetheart. I looked back and I said, honey, I'm on a mission. Then God spoke to me. He said, that is your mission, Pastor John. <laughs> so then I tried to play it off. Kids, you know I was going to stop, right? You know, you, you know what I'm saying? Pulled over. We get these ladies inside the mini wagon, and we begin going to their, their car. Well, one of the ladies says, man, I, I'm so glad you stopped. We just prayed that someone would pick us up. I said, oh, cool, so you guys are Christians. No, 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 no. No, no, we're not Christians. So she said, we, uh, we worship many gods. I thought to myself, well, we are going to California. <laughs> Just kidding. I apologize if I've thoroughly offended all the Californians. So in that very moment, I had a, I had a decision to make. Was I going to kind of acquiesce and make the less few minutes very nice and pleasing? Or was I going to stand for the God that I serve? Well, you know me, and I chose the latter, and so I quickly said, well, the people in this van, we worship one God. His name is Jesus, and he's the one that told me to pick you all up. Uh-uh, I wasn't letting Buddha get the credit for that. We're in week two of our dream series we're calling Created for This. Created for this. Created for what? What are we created for? Well, partially, we're created to stand. To stand. To stand firm. First Peter 5, 9. Standing firm in the faith. We live in a world that doesn't always stand up for Jesus. Pastors, sometimes we sound more like motivational speakers than people who speak the truth. Churches sometimes seem more like entertainment centers rather than places of worship where we worship and stand for our God. Sometimes we as Christians, although we're well-intentioned, sometimes we seem like we don't always walk the walk, like somehow uh, we're, we're indistinguishable from the rest of the world. When we're supposed to be set apart, we're supposed to stand out. We're supposed to stand. Friends, we live in a world that doesn't always stand, and yet God calls us to stand. Matthew 12, 30, Jesus said, you're, those who are, you're either with me or you're against me. That's what he said. There's no neutrality when it comes to the gospel. There's no, I'm kind of half in, I'm kind of half. God said, you're either with me or you're not. And has there ever been a time in our life where the world needs the church to rise up and to stand? Has there ever been a time that we need to stand more? I mean, you can go to New York and you go shopping at Macy's, but you can't go to church. You can go to Nevada and, and you can have thousands of people in the casino, but you can't go to church. 
We, in fact, during this COVID season, did you know Barna just came out with a statistic? One in five churches are closed because of COVID. Not closed like temporarily until we, no, closed, shut their doors, done, finito. That's 20% of American churches are now gone. And what are we doing? We're somehow okay with that. LaMonica's not okay with it, and I'm not either. we got to stand up. we got to rise up. we got to fight. And, and, and there's a godly way to do that, right? There's a godly way to do that. We do that in love, but we got to stand. we got to fight. I love what a pastor said once. I can't remember his name, but I have it written down. He said, I would rather stand with God and be judged by the world than to stand with the world and be judged by God. Amen? And we've been looking in in this series at Esther, and that's exactly what she did. She stood for the God she loved. Will will we stand like that? Even if our life's on the line, God's called us to stand. Let me review uh, for those of you who might have not been here last week. So Mordecai and his niece Esther are two Jews living in Susa, the uh, ancient Persian capital, right? And um, Esther, she hides her Jewish identity and becomes the queen of Persia, which is great, except for there's a guy named Haman. He's the villain of the story. Haman was very egotistical. He made everyone bow down to him, in which everyone complied, everyone except for Esther's uncle Mordecai. He's a Jew, and he said, I'm not bowing down to you. Well, this enraged Haman. And so he, Haman, who was very high up in the kingdom, he was, he was second in command, right under the king. He used his influence, we talked about last week, he used his influence in a bad way. He went to the king and talked the king into issuing a decree to kill all the Jews in the Persian Empire. That was going to be enacted in 11 months from that time. In the meantime, Mordecai went to Esther and said, look, girl, you got to stand. I'm putting that in the modern vernacular, but he said, you gots to stand, girl. And so what he did, he, he, he said, I want you to reveal your identity. Go to the king, approach him, king, reveal your identity, and ask him to reverse the decree. The only problem was approaching the king was against, without a royal request, you can't just go up to the king, right? You can't approach him without a royal request. Without a royal request, it's against the law and punishable by death. So what's she going to do? Is she going to acquiesce? Is she going to capitulate or is she going to stand? Heavenly Father, I thank you for her example. I thank you for this sweet little Esther that we read about. Don't know what she looked like, and I guess we'll have to wait to heaven, but boy, oh boy, I think she was a strong woman. And I think that we can learn a lot from her. God, help us not to compromise. Help us not to, uh, to, to play this game of appeasement, but help us stand firm in the faith and live the life you've called us to be and speak up and be the people you've called us to be. We love you. We praise you. And we thank you that you would help us stand. In Jesus' name, amen. So what's she going to do? What's she going to do? Esther chapter 5, verse 1. On the third day, Esther put on her royal robes and stood in the inner court of the palace in front of the king. King's Hall. Now, her her feet may have been shaken underneath that robe. We don't know, but she stood. The king was sitting on his royal throne in the hall, facing the entrance. When he saw Queen Esther standing in the court, he was pleased. Praise God. With her and held out to her the gold scepter that was in his hand. Now, that when he held out out the gold scepter, that means he was basically pardoning her, her, was going to kill her. So Esther approached, and she touched the tip of the scepter. Then the king asked, what is it, Queen Esther? 
What is your request? Even up to half the kingdom, it will be given you. How in the world, friends, did she, I mean, it's easy to read about, but this, this is a real story. Like, how did she have the guts to do this? Answer, point number one, great stands require great bows. It was what she did when she was by herself alone with God that prepared her for her public act of faith. Esther kneeled privately so she could stand publicly. Man, we gotta learn to get quiet with God. We gotta learn to get alone with God. Even Jesus spent time with Jesus. Remember, like he, he would withdraw to lonely places, the Bible said. Why? Because he needed to get some Jesus, right? And, and we would be wise to do the same. We need to withdraw and, and spend some time with Jesus because our ability to stand is directly proportional to our ability to bow before our king. We gotta learn to bow so we can stand. Bow before our king. But you say, wait a second, Pastor John, there's no mention. I read the whole book of Esther. There's no mention of any kneeling or praying there. You're right. I'll raise you one. There's no mention of God in the entire book of Esther. What's up with that? I thought that was the Bible. I thought the whole thing's about God. Well, the author, who is anonymous, we don't know who he or she is, used a literary device known as understatement. He or she intentionally understated the role of God so that we as readers would look for the activity of God in the story. It's an invitation by the author to look for the activity of God. I want to ask you a question. Do you look consciously, cognitively, intentionally? Do you look for the activity of God in your life? Oh, man, we got to start looking. For, uh, man, my, my kids have taught me more than you would ever know. I see the activity of God in my kids, in my spouse, my wife. I, I see it, you know, I'll go to the gym and, and I'll run into Steve. You're looking like Vin Diesel today, bro. You shaved nice and tight, man. And, and he'll say something that encourages me at the gym, right? I see God everywhere. This week, I was in a restaurant and, and, and I went to order and, and, and some folks from, from the gathering were, were, were with me. And the lady, I don't know her name, but she said, can I take your order? And it was like behind plexiglass, you know? And it's where you, you know, I don't go to those high dollar restaurants, so you gotta order you gotta, while you stand up, you know what I'm saying? So I'm ordering, and, and, and she says, Can I take your order? And I take down my mask and said, How are you? Some girl, I mean, I've seen her in there, but I don't know her. Some girl who I don't know, don't know her name, just started. The faucet came on. Michael was with me, he looks at me, he's like, What's going on? Right? Well, God was what was going on. Turns out I really wasn't there to, to order food. I was there to, to be Jesus to someone, right? We gotta look for, yeah, we gotta, we gotta look for God. He's all around. It's an invitation for, for us to look at God's activity. How do I know that God was, or that she bowed before God? Well, if you remember in chapter four, what did she do? She said, before I go to the king, I'm going to fast, and I want all the Jews in the kingdom to fast and pray for three days. And it wasn't just a food fast. It was a water fast. Now, I've fasted for seven days. That's the best I could ever do. I didn't fast one day without water. And after three days, it's life-threatening. So, I mean, think about that. She's getting ready to do the biggest thing. She, you know, and, and by the way, this guy was kind of a, I mean, the king was a trip. He would objectify women. I mean, he wasn't like a, a super nice guy. And, and, and so you always wanted to be on your best. You wanted to look 
your best. Put on the best royal robe you got. And, and think about that. She was like, she weakened herself physically. You know, no food, no water. Her, the color in her face probably was, she was probably white as, white as could be. She weakened herself physically, but strengthened herself spiritually, right? And, and so sometimes we just got to learn to bow so that we can stand. Let me say it this way. The one who kneels before God can stand before anyone. Man, the one who, when we kneel before God, we have nothing to fear. We have nothing to fear because we start to develop trust, right? We develop trust with God. Like, I I know that no matter what happens, you're going to be with me. And I love what David wrote in Psalm 20, verse 7. He said, some trust in chariots, some trust in horses. Let me put that in the modern vernacular. Some trust in F-35s, some trust in Humvees. But we trust in the name of the Lord our God. Is that not true? I mean, I know all the world is spinning right now. I know it's chaotic, but like, does our trust change? Just because the world's a little messed up right now? Turns out the world was always messed up. We just couldn't see it as much. God's just, God's just revealing what it always really was. The world was never our home. We're just passing through, right? And now we see the world for what it is. I'm like, okay, thank you, God. I mean, sorry I didn't see that before, but like our trust never changed. Now, for some of us, it was shaken, and that's a good thing. Because sometimes God needs to shake the people he loves, wake us up. But we don't trust in in chariots or horses, man. We trust in Jesus. But be careful. Because on your journey to stand, on my journey to stand for the things God called us to, like Esther, you will have many detours. Many enticing detours. The road to your stand is full of enticing detours. It's no coincidence that she stood. There she was. I'm standing before the king, probably, I mean, she's still human, right? So she's probably, there's a little fear that kind of creeps in if your life's on the line. And there she is. And before she could get out her request, he gave her an enticing option. Is that an accident, you think? Or is that all part of the test? What, what did he give her? He said, half the kingdom. I'll give you up to half the kingdom. Uh, that's a good offer. <laughs> Let me mull that over just a second. Let me, you know. Call my wife real quick or something. Like, you know, that's a great offer. The the half of the Persian Empire, are you kidding me? Friends, Esther didn't choose God because she didn't have other options. She chose God because God was the only option. (laughs) That girl only had one option. She had her mind made up. Some decisions, we we talked about this a couple weeks, we have to pre-make some of our decisions. We have to purpose in our heart who we are, what we're going to be, and what we're going to decide when it's on, when the pressure's on. And she knew she might get a little offer, a little job offer, a little, you know, enticing little detour. And she said, nope, there's only one option. Friends, I have to be honest with you, and I hope you don't think less of me, but I had a a test this last week where I could stand for God or I could take a detour. And I tried to take not one detour, not two detours. I don't know why you're laughing, Scott. <laughs> Glad you think it's funny. I'm, I'm not sure God does. I tried to take 22 detours. 22? No joke. You see, here's what happened. The uh, mayor, Skip Hall, his administrative assistant, called me. And she said, Skip wants you to come in and do the invocation for the city hall council. He asked specifically for you. I said, oh, that's really cool, except I got some, I have a commitment. I had a commitment. It wasn't a big commitment, but it was a commitment nonetheless. And I said, is it okay if somebody else from our church comes? She said, well, I, I, yeah, I guess that would be okay. 
So I started calling different people. One, two, three, 22. Yeah, you remember I, I texted you, didn't I? Yeah, you sold me out. Thanks a lot, man. Thanks, Kenny. Real friend you are. No, but it, 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 it was good because it, it, God was doing that on purpose. 22 people, all of them had commitments. All of them couldn't do it. And what I realized was God was calling me to do this, and it was my turn to stand. Like, and I said, well, what's the big deal? What's the big deal? It's just a prayer. Oh, no, it's a big deal. Skip told me that if, if, if Christians don't show up to pray, they've had Satanists that go there and use that time to pray. And you all be darned if I'm going to let some Satanist steal the glory that's meant for my king. So I marched in there. I canceled my plans. I marched in there. And I'm like, man, if I'm going to be here, I'm giving them Jesus. I'm not going to give them a little wimpy little prayer. You know, where they name in your name, amen. Like where they leave out the name of Jesus. Oh, no, 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 no. So I'm like, so I just... Oh, gracious Heavenly Father, in the strong name of Jesus Christ, these people, we all need your help. We all need your, you know, I started just, I was having church, man. I was having like a revival. And I'm like, I probably went a little over my time, okay? But they knew who I stood for. They knew who the king was in that room that day. Great stands require great bows. Let me summarize the, the rest of that chapter 5 because I want to move on to, to the next chapter. So Esther doesn't take the offer. She doesn't take the bait. But what she does is she puts on a, this banquet for the king and for Haman. They get drunk and they're having a great time. And she says, I'm not going to tell you the request at this banquet, but come back tomorrow because I'm going to reveal the request. So Haman leaves, three sheets to the wind. He's in a good mood. He sees... Mordecai. He sees Mordecai at the king's gate, and, and, and of course, Mordecai's not going to bow, so he's furious. He goes home, talks to his family, and they devise a plan. They put up a 75-foot pole, upon which they want to impale Mordecai the next day. In fact, they go to the king the next day. The plan was to go to the king and ask him for his permission the next morning to impale Mordecai on that pole, and it was 75 feet so that all the Jews could see how powerful Haman was. Which brings us to point two. God stands for those who stand for him. <laughs> Come on, man. You better clap on that. You better clap. Now, and listen, God loves you even if you don't stand for him. See, he, he loves you. You can't perform your way into heaven. He loves you just as much. But there is something that happens when we stand for our God. It's like we get the attention of our creator and he says, oh, Kenny's the real deal. He's not just going to play it safe through life and just try to squeak into heaven. He's actually going to live his life for me. He's actually going to stand. He's actually going to make his life count. And it's not that we don't count. I don't want a bunch of legalists in here. But, but like there's a level to which, you know, in the words of Kid Rock, let me be very theological. You get what you put in. Right? You get what you put in. You want to you leave your mark in this life? You got to stand. You got to fight. Amen? Amen? So check this out. Listen, this, this, this story gets so good. That night, the king could not sleep. Accident? No. He, so he ordered the book of the Chronicles, the record of his reign, to be brought in and read to him. So it just so happens that on the night before, Haman's going to ask for Mordecai's life, it just so happens that the king has insomnia. God induced insomnia. So God controls the insomnia, but he also controls the activity. I mean, think about all the things he could have done that night. What do kings normally do? Well, they have concubines. 
Normally they order someone from the concubine to come in. They get the court musicians to play a little Luther Vandross. <laughs> Put a candle on. And they do what evil kings do. But not tonight. His entertainment for that night was, read me the book of the summation of, of my reign. And this is what happened in verse 2. It was found, recorded, that Mordecai, who worked at the king's gate, by the way, had exposed Bithana and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, who had conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. What honor and recognition has Mordecai received for this? The king asked. Nothing has been done for him, his attendants answered. Interesting timing, don't you think? You can read about that in chapter 2, by the way, of Esther, where he, you know, saved, he's discovered a plot to, 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 to try to kill the king. Interesting, the timing. I mean, this happened five years before. And, and you know, those five years must have been some lonely years for Mordecai. I mean, he's probably thinking, am I going to get a raise? You know, am I going to get like a, some sort of recognition for this? I mean, I, I saved the king. Am I going to get like a, a turkey at Thanksgiving or a stocking? Something, a thank you maybe, but nothing. Crickets. Hmm. Here's what I'm saying. God's timing is God's training. God's weird, peculiar timing is God's train. It's the way he trains us. Well, what might he been trying to train Mordecai on? Well, number one, that he's the provider. And the provision would come five years later. Something he did five years prior was the provision for something that would happen five years later. See, some of you are frustrated with God right now. You think that God forgot about you. God abandoned you. He whispered something to you and it hasn't come into fruition yet. Or you did something and, and you feel like it went unnoticed or unrewarded. Friends, every promise of God has a maturity date. <laughs> has a date upon which God says, here's the blessing. Here's, here's, the, here's the supply. Here's the meeting of your need. You thought I abandoned you. You thought I forgot about that. I don't forget about that. I don't forget about that at all. Friends, that happened to me uh, three years ago. I, after I went through a church transition, I was interviewing uh, at some different churches, one of which was CCV, a great church here in town. And, you know, I, I interviewed. I spent some time and, you know, a lot of time actually. And, and going through that process, I felt like, man, I just don't think this is the, the best fit. For me. So I kind of pulled out. And I thought to myself, well, that really wasted some time there. You know, that's some valuable time I can't get back that I invested in this interviewing process only to realize that I'm not the right fit for that. Well, it turns out that wasn't a waste of time. You see, some of you know that this December they did this more than us initiative where they uh, want to pour into some other churches, some up-and-coming churches in the community that are, that are thriving, right? And, and it was through that relationship three years ago that they remembered the gathering, and so they just so, just so happened for a time such as this, not three years ago, three years ago was an investment into two months ago, because two months ago, they gave us a check, as you know, for $100,000. That's God. For, for three years, I was puzzled as to why, and now I understand. So just know that God, his timing is his training. So that was provision for Mordecai. It was also preparation for Mordecai. What was he preparing Mordecai to do? One of the greatest things we could prepare our kids to do, parents, 
He was preparing Mordecai to stand, to teach Mordecai how to stand in the absence of an answer. I mean, it's easy to stand, y'all, when, when, when everything's good in your life and when you, the, the rent's paid, you know, you're healthy, you don't have really any issues, everything's great in the marriage. But what about when you're struggling? And, and let's be honest, there's folks in here today that are struggling. It's okay. We are not a museum for saints. We are a hospital for sinners. <laughs> and so if you're struggling, that's part of the deal, right? And, and, and there's a way out, and his name is Jesus. His name is Jesus. But he's preparing, he was preparing Mordecai to teach him how to stand in the absence of, of answers. Parents, let's stop fixing everything. We've got to stop fixing everything for our kids, right? We fix too much stuff. I remember when I wrecked my 1960 Ford pickup truck. I love that truck. I was 16 years old, and I slid through the uh, wet intersection in Ohio. No, no disc brakes on that sucker either, all drum brakes. That thing was hard to stop, so hard that I ended up rear-ending some poor lady. Did a lot of damage. I went home thinking I'm going to get some sympathy from my dad. You know what my dad said? What are you going to do about that? <laughs> well, thank you, Mr. Compassion. You know what I did about it? I went to Bob Evans, got myself a job as a professional dish tanker, and I worked a lot of overtime. I'd come home with my hands pruned, but you know what? I paid off the damage, and God taught me. My dad helped teach me how to stand in tough times. Sometimes, some of you are, some of you are in tough times. We're all, to some degree, in a tough time in our world, in our nation, and God's telling us to stand. He's telling us to worship in the waiting. Ask for somebody today. You're struggling, and God, God, you came here to hear just that right there. Worship in the waiting. You're waiting for something. And, and, and for some reason, we think, is it, if, if I just get through this, or if I just fix this, or if just this, then I can worship. God says, no, that's not how it works. You worship in the waiting. And, and in, the, in that place of faithfulness, when you raise your hallelujah, sometimes from, from a tired brow, Sometimes, uh, you know, another treatment of cancer. But you're here. You're here. You lost your son a, f a few weeks ago. You're still here, Vince. You know, you're, you're raising your hallelujah. Whatever time, whatever it costs. And you know what? That's such, a, that's such a glorious thing to Jesus. When he looks down and he sees his church raising his hands after you, after you lose a son. Like, you know how much that means to God? That you're still here. That you're still present. That you're not giving up. It means the world to our creator. And so we raise our hallelujah. We worship in the waiting. We worship when we're waiting on that doctor's report. We worship when, when, when the prayer hasn't been answered yet. We worship in the midst, in the midst of uh, election results that aren't in. What do we do? Oh, but I think he should win. I think he should win. Uh, you know what? I'm going to make sure God wins. <laughs> I'm going to make sure you win by me worshiping you. Because that's really what you're after. And, and let me just say, standing for God doesn't mean. Stand, standing doesn't mean stabbing, okay? If someone walked in here today and had the hat of the person you didn't vote for on, sat right next to you, could you love them? Yeah, because that's what we're supposed to do. When, 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 when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, the, the night before he went to the cross, he was, what was he doing? He was worshiping in the waiting, right? And then here comes his betrayer, and, and, the, and the Roman guards, right, to, to turn him in. And what did Peter do? Whoosh, took out a sword, cut off the right ear of the Roman soldier. He stabbed him. 
And Jesus said, put your sword away. See, standing doesn't mean stabbing. We stand for what we believe. We declare what we believe. We fight for what we believe. We fight for the Christian values that Jesus fought for. But let's do that in a way where we're not stabbing people. We're not cutting off. I mean, how pathetic is that if if there's 50,000 ears, right ears at the (laughs) gathering? I want a bunch of ears here. I want people to feel loved and welcome. But we we still fight for Jesus. We just do it in a way that's life-giving. And, and let me just set your minds at ease. Far, as some of you have been all, you know, been out of shape about the election. Let me just tell you this. The media doesn't pick the president, right? And in, and in a bigger sense, even the electorate on December 14th doesn't pick the president. Turns out Daniel 2.21, he, meaning God, removes kings and sets up other kings. So this is way in God's hands. Amen? Come on, give God praise. We submit to you, Jesus. We submit to your authority. We will stand. We will be bold. We will fight for righteousness. But we rest in your authority and your sovereignty. You will pick the king. So there's a big pivot coming in the story. right? So Mordecai, the king learns that Mordecai hasn't received this praise, right? And you're about to see a big, remember we sang earlier, you take what the enemy meant for evil and turn it for good. Here it comes. Here comes the pivot. Verse three or verse four, the king said, Who who's that in the court? Now Haman had just entered the outer court of the palace to speak to the king about impaling Mordecai on the pole he had set up for him. His attendants answered, Haman is standing in the court. Well, bring him in, the king ordered. When Haman entered, the king asked him, What should be done for the man the king delights to honor? Now Haman thought to himself, Who is there that the king would rather honor than me? I mean, calling Mr. Vane, right? Here we go. So so he answered the king, For the man the king delights to honor, have them bring a royal robe the king has worn and a horse the king has ridden, you know, one with the royal crest placed on its head. Then let the robe and the horse be entrusted to the one the king's uh, most no- one of the king's most noble princes. Let him robe the man the king delights to honor and lead him on the horse through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. The king says, go at once, the king commanded Haman. Get the robe and the horse and do just as you suggested for Mordecai the Jew. You take what the enemy meant for evil, and you turn it, whoop, whoop, whoop. That's a pivot, y'all. Oh, Mordecai, who sits in the, at the king's gate, do not neglect anything you, who wanted to kill him, have recommended. So Haman got the robe and the horse. He robed Mordecai and led him on horseback through the city streets, proclaiming before him, this is what is done for the man the king delights to honor. I want to kill you. But it didn't matter because God was for him. God was contending for him. God was fighting for him. The man who came to the palace to kill him clothed him. The man who came to the palace to execute him escorted him through the streets. The man who came to slaughter him shouted his praise. This is the one who the king likes, right? That's what God does. If God is for us, who can be against us? Come on, man. That should give you hope today. 
That should give you some hope today uh, in, in what is a crazy year. Is it not a crazy, has it not been a crazy year? I mean, 2020 has been a rough year. I saw this picture and it made me think of, of, of 2020. Pretty sure this is the bridge you take to get to 2021. I mean, is it just me or is that sum up the, the year we've had, right? I mean, it's kind of been one of those years. But let me tell you, this has been a year of sifting. A year of sifting. What do I mean? Sifting in the Bible, well, it's, it's, sifting is the, is the process of separating grain, the useful grain, from the useless stock and, and chaff, right? And, and this is not an easy process. You know, you, I know you ladies think of sifting like, oh, yeah, I sift in my kitchen all the time. In my nice little kitchen, right, with your nice little uh, stainless steel appliances, okay? Let's go back to their context. They were sifting. The sift, they would beat this against a hard surface, dislodging the grain. And that's kind of how if we're honest, that's kind of how we feel. I feel like God is striking me against a hard surface. And I'm like, ah, oh, God, that hurts. He says, I know it hurts. He says, but I'm, I'm, I'm sifting you. I'm allowing you to be sifted. You know, God, whether God induced or, or whether God allows Satan to, do you know that, a little interesting theological point, God has to allow Satan to sift us? In fact, at the Last Supper, in Luke 22, verse 31, Jesus says, Satan has asked to sift all of you as wheat. So you think he would say, but I told him no, because I love y'all. Right? Isn't that what you'd expect God, who loves us, to say? Listen to his answer. Listen to this. But I have prayed for you. Gee, thanks, God. Simon, that your faith may not fail. I mean, how about sending a lightning bolt? Through the heart of Satan, or maybe a meteorite shower, you know, just impale him, or maybe have him hit by a city bus. I don't care, but pray. I pray that your faith would not fail. Here's the thing. God sifts us for a reason. In Romans 5.3, it says, our suffering produces perseverance, character, and hope. Does anybody need perseverance, character, and hope? I do. I, I need that big time. Perseverance, character, and hope. And so God sifts us. Here's what I'm trying to say. God sifts us to shift us. God sifts us to shift us. Someone needs to put that in the chat if you're watching online. And someone needs to write that down because you, you feel like God's abandoned. You feel like, God, I don't know what you're doing. It feels hard. And God's saying, I'm sifting you because I'm going to shift you into a greater assignment. God doesn't want us to be the same today. You know, he, in, in two years from now, he wants us to have experienced growth. Right? He just wants to, just to struggle with the same old things for the rest of our life. And so he's sifting us to shift us. He did that to Esther. He did it to Mordecai. He did it to John the Baptist, Mary, Martha, Paul, right down the list. And he does it to us. I love what he's doing, what he's doing to my wife. A couple years ago, I know she never knows what I'm going to say. It's always, this is always a scary moment for my wife. Just, just want you all to know that. But a couple years ago, when we started the church, I said, you know, I think you should do women's ministry. And she said, no way. No way. I don't like drama. You know, I don't like drama. And sometimes women, sometimes women can be drama. If the shoe fits, wear it, y'all. I mean, 
And, and men, we can be prideful jerks. Shoe fits wear it, right? But I just saw God begin to shift her. Now, it took some sifting, right? But God began to shift her heart over these last couple years. And particularly in these last several months, God just shifted something inside her. And, and, and all of us at home, we're all scratching our heads because we're like, like, Gavin's like, man, mom is so excited about like women. She has a burden for women. She has a burden for women's ministry. I said, ain't it cool? God's shifting her into a, a, another assignment. And that's what God wants to do. He sifts us because he wants to shift us into a greater assignment, into greater impact. There's a church here today, New Vintage Church, led by their pastor, David Jackson. Over this COVID season, they felt God shifting them. And today, uh, last week they made this decision, but today is their first official day as joining our church family. Where they at? Yes. Welcome to the family. If you're from new, look at that. I love it. I love our, our that's how our people, that's how our family is right there. They like, they give you a standing ovation just because we're welcoming. We love people, man. That's, that's the heart. We don't get everything right. I don't always preach a home run message, but you know what? We love Jesus and we love his people and we're called to serve those people. If you're from New Vintage Church, would you stand up so we can just praise God? Come on, stand up. Be bold. <laughs> Welcome. Welcome. Welcome to our family. You are loved, you are valued, and there is a place for you. In fact, before you leave, roll up your sleeves like Uncle John. And, and sign up to serve. Be part of this. Be part of the, be, be part of the family, man. We, there's a place for you. We need you. The, 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 Jesus said the harvest is plentiful, but the labors are few. And, and, and God heard our prayers, and he sends more people to come and to join part of, and be part of our family. Yay, God. Any church they could have chose in the valley, and they chose the gathering. Praise God for that. But God is shifting. He sifts us. And I know, I know it was a hard year, but, but he sifts us to shift us, to bring us all together and to enlarge our territory, to enlarge our impact. And I'm not just talking about numerically. I'm talking about spiritually, how we grow and, and we develop in terms of our spiritual maturity. He's shifting the gathering to greater impact. But it's going to take us standing, standing firm in the faith. How do we do that? How do we do that? We fight for the ground God gave us. She fought. Esther fought for her ground in the Persian Empire, for her people, the Israelites. Our battlefield is surprise. Our people are here as well as people who lay their head down tonight on their pillow and don't know Jesus. And if we don't tell them, they don't make it. God calls us to be the hope of the world, the light share the hope of Jesus Christ that burns inside of us. It's going to take, here's what our stand's going to take. It's going to take prayer. Prayer. And I know I talked about a, a prayer rally. I'm working on that. But yeah, amen. 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 I'm with you, brother. I'm excited too. Everywhere in Surprise, they're telling us we can't, you can't get a, a permit, you can't do anything because of COVID. 
So I'm like, God, I'm, I, I know you got your ways. I know you got your ways. You got some connections. And so keep praying for this because I want to have a rally. And, and we're trying. We're, 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 we're waiting on God's door, but we're not waiting while the grass grows. I mean, we're out actively seeking because that's part of standing. So pray. Uh, our stand is going to take prayer. It's going to take serving. If you don't serve, on your way out, stop at the Connect Center or, I'm sorry, a little serve table. See Tara and sign up. Be part of, of something bigger than ourselves, right? And, and lastly, it's going to take giving. It's going to take giving. Every November, you know we have our dream series. And our dream is to help people find and follow Jesus. But it turns out to be, to be most efficient and effective to do that, we actually need a home. And people say, wow, this, this is so perfect. How can we need I'll tell you why. Why this doesn't work long term. Because we got shut down for 18 weeks. They said they couldn't meet. And, and listen, as the pastor of this church, I have, and I love Dysart, thankful for Dysart. They've been awesome to work with. Thank you for God's provision through Dysart. Very thankful. Amen. So when you come in here, wear the masks. When you leave, you know, we, we comply with that. We submit to that authority. Yay, God. But like, I'm not okay with not meeting on any Sunday, just so you know. Okay? Because people need Jesus. And, and so we need a building. We need a home. It's not, it's not a building. It's a place it's, it's, it's a hospital, like I said before, for, for people who need Jesus. We need that, and the world needs it now more than ever. So what we do is we ask at this time of year, as we have this dream uh, commitment, we, we ask you to, to make a commitment here next week. Whatever that is that's between you and God, totally your decision, but above and beyond your 10% tithe, give a dream commitment that will go directly to our building our home. Again, you pray about that. You seek God on that and just be led by the Holy Spirit. But we're off to a great start. We have 12 acres of land on Olive and Reams. It's valued at $2.5 million. We didn't pay close to that when we, when we bought it. So it's already quadrupled in value in the short year. But you showed up big last year. I just pray that we show up big this year and we watch God do what only He can do. So as you leave today, you're going to get two things. You're going to get, number one, an hourglass. Why do you, are you getting an hourglass, right? Why do I need this one? This is a reminder this week. Put this on your night table. Put it in your car. I don't know, you know, look at this. It's a reminder that we have to stand for God and that we only have a limited time to do so. The time, the clock is ticking, right? We want to make an impact. We want to leave our marks. So you're going to get this, and you're also going to get, for those of you that didn't get one last week, a dream commitment card. I want you to take this dream commitment card home, Talk to your family, talk to your spouse, pray over it, ask God what he would have you to give beyond your 10% tithe. Bring it back next week. Next week, these things are gonna be full with dirt from our land. I'm gonna ask you to come down at the end of the gathering next week and simply place it, plant it, I should say, in the soil, trusting that God is going to birth something amazing through our obedience, amen? I love uh, what, what Billy Graham said. When a brave man takes a stand, the spines of others are often stiffened. I pray that we would be like Esther, that we would live bravely, boldly, and loudly. We would speak to a world that is literally dying. That's not an overstatement. The world is dying, and we have the hope 
of Jesus. We have the answer. We have what they need. Let's take it to a world, a world in need. Will you stand? Will you stand with me? I'm standing with you. And know that as you stand for God, you have a big, big God who stands with you, who is for you. He's not against you. He is fighting for you and for me. Would you bow your heads? Today, if you feel like God is speaking to you, maybe there's a certain area of, of your life that maybe he's calling you to stand. Maybe it's with a certain person at work. Maybe he's telling you to be bold to this person. Or maybe it's a, a, an area of sin that maybe you're struggling in and he's telling you to stand for righteousness. I don't know what it is or who it is, but if that's you, I want to give you an opportunity right now. With every head bowed and every eye closed, if God's speaking to you, would you just stand right now, physically stand as a response? If that's you, have boldness. Don't, don't let the enemy talk you out of it. Oh, what are people going to think if they open that? Who cares what people think? That's the point. Esther didn't care what people thought. She said, if I perish, I perish. I want that kind of faith. I want that if I perish, I perish kind of faith. Because when we get to that point, we don't care if anybody opens their eyes. We don't care if anybody's looking. We don't care what people think about us. We just stand. I want to stand. I want to stand for you, God. If that's you, just stand right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Right now. Be bold. Be obedient. This isn't for everybody, but for somebody. For those of you called to stand, you stand. You stand. You stand and you let your king see you. You let your king hear you. You let your king see your faithfulness in your stance today. You don't have all the answers. You don't even know necessarily what it means, but you know that you need to stand. I will stand. As for me and my house, we will serve the Most High God. We will stand. Lord, thank you for every person that you're speaking to today. Every person that you're, you've called to stand. Every person that, that, that you're turning over new soil in their heart. You're, you're sifting them to shift them into a greater assignment. God, we recognize that that's happened at the gathering, but we also recognize that happens individually within our souls, within our homes. We fight for our, for our spouse. We fight for our kids. We fight for the ground that you gave us. God, I just thank you for what you're doing. You are, you are awakening your people and you're calling us together for a great purpose. Time is short. The, the, the sands of that hourglass are slipping through. And so we have a sense of urgency about us, God. We want to live boldly. We want to stand for you. Whatever that means, whatever that costs, help us do that, God. Help us, like Esther, stand in the presence of a king. We love you. We praise you. We thank you for what you're doing. With every head bowed and every eye closed, everyone else stand up to join them. Everyone keep your heads bowed, eyes closed. Stand up and join them. Everyone, everyone just stand up right now. Right now. Heads bowed and eyes closed. If you don't know Jesus and you want to know Jesus, whether you're watching online or you're here today, you can know Jesus. If you've never prayed this prayer, you've never made a decision to know him, you can spend the rest of your life with him by simply praying this prayer. Say something like this. Say, Jesus, I need you in my life. Forgive me for my mistakes. Today, I am running to you. Today, I am making you, Jesus, my king. From this moment on, I exist to glorify you. You are my God, you are my Lord, and you are my King. Use me to do great things in this life, in Jesus' name, amen. Can we just spend a moment welcoming those people, whoever prayed that prayer, whether here or online, getting saved in their bathrobe, getting saved up in the living room.
God is working, God is alive, God is well, and we're gonna take this city for Jesus Christ, amen? Go out and live bold this week, have a great week, and stand for Jesus, amen?